While we've been stuck at home, waiting out the pandemic, an amazing thing happened in a lot of businesses. Work that has always been believed to require us to travel into an office every single day moved 100% remote. Suddenly, we're all living on Zoom, email, and messaging services like Slack or Teams. In no business has that been a more profound change than in animation and visual effects for the movies and TV shows. A typical animated movie is 90 minutes, and that means nearly 130,000 final images flash before your eyes at 24 frames per second. Each of those images is made up of hundreds, if not thousands, of elements that get rendered together by big, fast computing clusters. And an important element that ties all of this technology together is the concept of latency. That is, the time it takes for data to travel across whatever network between the devices. The closer the two devices are, the shorter the latency and the faster everything feels when you use it. When you're working with the volume of information in a movie like, say, Shrek, it's always been important to keep the artist close to the art. Well, last March, we sent all the artists home due to COVID. And to keep our entertainment a relief valve for millions in production, very smart engineers and administrators had to quickly figure out how to give those artists tools that could stand up to the latency of being away, yet still allow them to be productive at their jobs. The amazingly successful transition will have changed the way we work forever. We've proven that offices just might be obsolete for many jobs. Some have taken advantage of this to relocate to less crowded and expensive places while still keeping their current job unheard of in the pre-COVID world. When we all emerge from our cocoons and back into the world, hopefully very soon, we're gonna have to reckon with the change and revel in the new freedom. Scotty Miller is a technologist focused on operational tactics and long-term strategy around high-performance computing, storage, and networking as it relates to computational visualization for feature-length animated films. A graduate of California State University at Fullerton, he spent 11 years in aerospace before landing at the Walt Disney Animation Studio, where amongst his many achievements, he helped build the first all-CG pipeline for the movie Dinosaur. He moved over to DreamWorks Animation in 1999, where he is still a vice president and technology fellow, and one of the smartest people I know. Scotty, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Jeff. Thank you for having me. So take a minute, tell the audience about who you are, what you do. Uh, sure. Uh, my name is Scotty Miller. I'm currently employed at DreamWorks Animation. My title there is a technology fellow, which is a fancy name for they weren't sure where to put me. Huh. And my, my goal is to find uh, innovative technologies and, and workflows and approaches to help improve the way we make feature animated TV shows and feature animated films. Uh, my other hat is I'm also the vice president for our infrastructure and platform team, uh, helping implement everything from data center to compute storage, networking, end user compute, uh, platforms, public cloud, all the rest. So my team does the work and I get to think it up. Very cool. Well, which of the two jobs do you like best? I like the technology fellow job. Uh, in, in academia, a fellow is usually somebody that's 
gained some amount of stature or tenure and is looked at not to do daily operations, but to figure out the future or to think about deep thoughts. And I, I like that part. Uh, it allows me to you know, explore the boundaries of what people expect technology to be in a, a content creation field, find new and innovative ways to solve problems. And I get to meet a lot of cool people doing it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, secret for the world out there who doesn't know it, Scotty and I used to work together at DreamWorks. Um, and I did some of that infrastructure stuff that he has on his plate nowadays. So I can yeah. completely relate to your life, man. You uh, got to help implement my life. And we also worked together at the Walt Disney Company before DreamWorks, if you remember. So we, Yes, we did. We go, we go way back, actually. Way back when we were still drawing on pencil and paper. Yeah, yep, yep. Those were fun days. Okay, cool. So um, you work in an industry that was very much focused on only be a, being able to work in the studio physically. There was a lot of intense network and storage and latency kind of issues that always made it really difficult to do animation um, across something like a internet connection. Apparently that's changed. What So what happened for you guys back in last March? Well, it's interesting. Last March when the uh, a go home order came, the lockdown, we all thought it was temporary. We left the office on a Thursday fully expecting to come back the following week, and it's been almost 11 months. Yeah. The, the one thing we found out is, is you're right, it's a very data and compute-intensive process to do CG animated films. But what we realized is that if the data stays adjacent to the infrastructure, in other words, if what I do is have remote users uh, connect in use of, using virtual desktops to their previous workstation at their desk, the bandwidth requirements between their house and their workstation are pretty modest, but they're still working in the context of the rest of the studio environment. So oh, okay. there, there's a few workflows that didn't behave, but fundamentally we didn't send people home with their, their big workstation. We sent them home with a laptop or a thin client and gave them a VPN connection into the facility. So um, I describe it as just your desk was now uh, 30 milliseconds away from your workstation. Okay, so you're doing mostly remote desktop kind of applications. Most, to, mostly uh, re remote desktop. And there are certain workflows um, uncompressed high-quality playback and color grading and some editorial workflows where the latency and the adjacency mattered. And so in some places, we tried to deploy equipment to people's houses. Uh, in some cases, those were the first people back on campus uh, in a COVID-safe way to do their workflows. Okay. But remarkably, we released a film early in the pandemic, and we completed and released a second film all the way through the pandemic. That's very cool. On schedule, on time, no. Uh, uh, on schedule, on time. It's it's a, one of the things we've learned is that people can be even more productive when they're not coming into the office on a regular schedule because uh, you know with Groundhog Day effect we lose track of what day and what time it is so people just work when they want to. Yeah. And yep. we're we're uh, we're able to be almost as efficient with remote workers as we were with everyone coming on campus. Have you have you been on campus since the shutdown? I have been to my office, which is in a building off campus, but I have not been to our main campus where the uh, bulk of the artistic staff is since the lockdown. Okay. And how about your staff? Are they doing some kind of rotation through being physically on site or are they all working remote full time? No, um, part of my group is the data center operations team, and they've been on site almost since the beginning, as soon as it was deemed safe following all the distancing and COVID rules to provide remote hands. Because even though the people worked on campus, the machinery, the data center, the power systems, all of those 
they're on campus and things still fail and need to be installed and need to be updated. So we rotated one person a day, a couple days a week initially, and now we have a, a rotation where there's two people pretty much every day. And, and we've had a partial return to office as well, where there's a couple hundred uh, artists and technologists who are still going to campus on a regular basis now. Okay. Uh, just, just again, some of the workflows. And frankly, and I'm a victim of this, you and I were going to record this a few days ago, but my home internet failed. Right. And uh, last mile home internet has been the bane of our existence since this whole work from home thing. For me, I look at the particular moment in time that the pandemic came along. And if you've got to have a pandemic, this was probably one of the great moments in history for it to happen. Because 10 years ago, you couldn't even do the video conferencing remotely, right? You didn't have either enough bandwidth to the home or you didn't have good enough services that you could use something like Zoom as freely as we use to communicate back and forth. So at this particular moment in time, all of those things matured to the point where we could actually function fairly seamlessly after we figured out how to get people set up. But the last mile is the story that consistently you hear um, yeah. is broken. I mean, you think about it, in my neighborhood, the last mile internet is for people to Google and surf the web, buy things on Amazon and watch Netflix. Yeah. yeah. As soon as it captures is the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's... Um, and it's the product of decades of very, very large corporations uh, that didn't invest in the infrastructure they needed to invest in because they didn't have to, because they were. Yeah, it's all terribly oversubscribed. It's all not expects everyone to use it at the same time. And I, I was a little disappointed. I'm in a neighborhood that's only around 15 years old. And the best I could do is either older oversubscribed cable internet or a DSL-based um, copper wire internet. There's no fiber. I'm, I'm hoping that Elon and his uh, Starlink satellites will save our day one day. But yeah, for now, we, we do what we can do. Okay. So uh, as you've been uh, working remotely all this time, has there been any new technologies you've seen out there that have been introduced that are worth looking at? I mean... It seems to me that large portions of the world just kind of stopped doing normal business and stopped rolling out new product or new material just because they were afraid they couldn't draw the audience they needed to draw. Um, has that been your experience or are you still seeing interesting and innovative things? Uh, we're out? staying interested. And in fact, if, if you were trapped at home for 10 months with your kids, some form of entertainment or distraction has proven to be necessary. So I think in our case, the ability to continue to create feature film and TV and then having a way through video on demand or other streaming services to, to release it essentially around the theaters has been super beneficial. Our, our business has not been impacted as much as a more traditional manufacturing business or one that's considered, you know, kind of a luxury business. People needed to be entertained and still do. And I'm super glad we're able to continue to do that. Okay. Have your techniques and technologies changed a lot during uh, during this time? Not a lot. Uh, we leaned heavily into the video conferencing, and it's not like you can pick just one, depending on who you're talking with, where they are, and what they're using. It's Zoom or WebEx or Google Chat, or there's just a billion different things. We have uh, introduced some new technologies for collaboration. Uh, yeah. Feature animation uh, creativity is a team sport. And the artist community is used to being in the same room together, throwing ideas around, writing them on whiteboards, sketching them on storyboards. And doing that when everyone's remote has been proven difficult. So we found and adopted a couple of uh, cloud-hosted uh, services that can provide collaboration for review sessions, 
with um, notes and comments that can do shared whiteboards, things like that. And then we've also adopted a few technologies that can do a very high quality video playback over unstable internet connections. So oh, cool. these things have existed. Uh, if you think about how live action films get made, often people are around the world um, recording content and trying to do dailies or something, but they've yeah. never really been in our environment used for uh, content creation because we've always been physically adjacent to each other. Uh, true. Very true. Um, what kind of, just for my own curiosity, what kind of tools are you using for the collaboration? Because I've been sitting here thinking a lot about what it would be like to try to do a brainstorming session when everybody's off on uh, on a Zoom call to do it, and and it seems really hard uh, to be able to make that work. So, what are you guys doing for stuff like that? Uh, we've we've had really good success again with Google Chat and the, the WebExes and Zooms of the world. Okay. Um, uh, Google Docs or Office three sixty five both come into play because they can let you collaborate on a document or a drawing. Right. So okay. often you'll be in a session where there's a WebEx up and then in another browser tab, you've got your Google Docs up. I mean, DreamWorks adopted the Google Suite for enterprises years ago as our email and collaboration solution. Yep, I remember. There, there's a um, a review playback and commenting system called SyncSketch that's proven very effective for the daily review sessions. I mean, the way feature animation gets done, as you know, is the artists follow a set of notes and comments uh, from the creatives, the directors and the um, visual effects supervisors. Yeah. They do their work and whatever their workflow happens to be. And then they look at them the next day, get some notes and updates, lather, rinse, repeat. So the ability to, instead of sitting in the theater or in a review room to discuss the content is we uh, use the sync sketch application. So everyone's looking at the same display. Everybody can do markups or take notes or make comments to each other. Uh, while looking at the same content. So it's as if you're in the same room, even though we're all scattered around the globe. Okay. Speaking of scattered around the globe, are you starting to see um, people migrating away from uh, the Los Angeles area to live now that they don't have to be physically in the studio? Yeah, we have. And it, it's interesting because some people have even moved away from California into new environments without telling anybody. Oh, Okay. You, you can't tell. I've got no reason to go check on somebody. I mean, it hasn't happened to us, but I've heard stories. And I know some of the hyperscalers and other Silicon Valley companies are almost encouraging it because the cost of living is lower. But at the right. same time, I think they're also adjusting salaries for people based on the region where they live, not where they're right. contributing their work. Yeah, that was that's kind of one of the questions I have in my head is – how does a business now decide it's going to pay an animator, let's say, who's picked up and left L.A. and moved to Iowa versus the guy who's still in L.A.? You, you can't yeah. have that dramatic a pay scale difference necessarily for the same job and not build some kind of animosity over it. No, I, I think that's part of it. There's, um, there's biases involved in everyday life and the things that we do. And one of them, a distance bias, is those people are both further away and participating in a different cost of living. So it's, it's a big conversation. How do you pay people for the work, not for where they're working? Right. So um, one of the ways I like to put it is that, that work really is an activity. It's not a location. Yeah. And sometimes we provide a nice location for you to go in to do your work, but often the work is a product you can do from anywhere. Yeah. 
Do you think uh, these folks are coming back or do you think they're all staying out where they're out? I, I think some of them would. I, I think people who, you know, I've got people who have left because of family obligations or because they're not happy with Southern California for whatever reason. But a lot of people like it here. I think the, the weather, the access to recreation and the opportunities are pretty attractive. Yeah. And yeah. People will come back if they can, but hopefully they didn't. Um, exit the real estate market in Southern California when they move to Iowa, because it'll be tough to get back in for sure. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, what about the lack of physical contact with people, the lack of being in a room? How's that been affected? How's that, that affected you? That's, that's the hardest part. I mean, probably the thing I miss the very most, uh, you remember the DreamWorks campus, it's got this really beautiful outdoor area where you could grab a coffee and sit and talk about stuff. We used to hold our meetings outside when it was a nice day. We used to you know, bump into somebody casually at lunchtime and have a great conversation. Yeah. And that's that spontaneity, the, the the grab a cup of coffee and, and sit and chat. I miss that the very most. Yeah. And, and I and I think I, I know my kids who are also social people that the going to high school and seeing your friends is not the same through a Zoom window versus in person. Uh, yes, I have a uh, I have a 19 year old daughter who had un- had the unfortunate luck of graduating last year. Oh, so no. the entire second half of her high school senior year, which was all the fun stuff, was canceled, right? I mean, there was no prom. There was no senior trip to Disneyland. There was no graduation ceremony. You know, there was the drive-by. That's a, a new invention that I hope goes away someday. Um, uh, and then, and then of course, uh, she went on to Cal State Long Beach this year, and she's taking all of her classes uh, remotely. So... She's sitting in her, you know, sitting in her bedroom on her Zoom chats. Um, and um, and one of the things she does on the side to help make a living at this point is she teaches fifth graders. And she's trying to teach, you know, 10-year-olds, 12-year-olds uh, how to play an instrument for the first time over Zoom. And uh, I can tell you, it's not been a lot no, of fun. I, I, I can't even imagine. Yeah, I think... I mean, hopefully, I know that at least around here, the high schools have opened up for uh, physical conditioning for the sports teams. Yeah. And I think the people I know that are in in band or music programs are able to get together socially distant. Interestingly, they percussion and brass can participate, but no woodwinds. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's... Violins. That could, so, so they're able to do some, you know, in-person playing. But yeah, for, for me, the whole... If you didn't know these people, especially, I don't know how you meet and form a new relationship through a two by two inch window on your laptop. Yeah. I mean, she's managed to build a circle of friends at college around like her particular uh, subject area. You know, the flautists are all together in a group and they've sort of formed their chat and they have their every couple of days they get together and they just do video chats and things like that together. But it's got to be really strange, right? Because the physical interaction hasn't happened yet. It's going to be great when everybody's got their shot and, and the colleges reopen again and they finally get to meet for the first time. Yeah, my, my oldest is a senior in high school this year. So we did the whole college search application, figure out what you want to be when you grow up process from the living room. Okay. And the inability to go on a tour at a college you're interested in, to go visit the campus, to go see the surrounding community has been made it really hard. Yeah. I mean, you can't pick a university based on their web page. 
Yeah, no, it, it's absolutely. It's been, been tricky. So I, I'm hoping that at least this fall, fall 21, that the kids can go back to school in person and have that real college experience because that's that's half the goal, right? You want to yeah. have that go away experience. Yeah. It's not enough to be in your bedroom watching Zoom. Yep. No, abs- absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so how is how has your family been holding up through all of this? You know, remarkably well. We, we go stir crazy once in a while, so it's important to try to go outside. Uh, during the summer, uh, I live near a small lake and we have a, a boat. We tried to, that was one of the few socially distant outdoor activities that was permitted, is we go out on the boat and go tubing or water skiing and just go outside for a while, uh, try to do takeout food, try to explore some new hobbies. Um, we, we, like a lot of people, started doing more baking and more experimentation. Yeah. yeah. You know, try to find something to keep your mind occupied because that's really the challenge. Yeah. What does your gut tell you about the next six months? How are you feeling about it? Uh, to me, the next six months, I think are, we need to be a little bit cautious. As people are finding the vaccine, we don't know how it's going to react. We don't know how long it will take to get enough of the population inoculated. I'm afraid we're going to have a little bit of the roaring 20s where after the pandemic, people overreact and overshoot and go be extra social and extra party and potentially create another short-term outbreak. But um, for us particularly, work hasn't declared a, a return to office date. Uh, there's a couple, well, it's not going to be any sooner thans, but it's looking like we'll maybe be back in the office at a reasonable rate in the summer. Okay. Um, my kids are going to finish this year of school remotely. They're doing both high school and a, a, a some junior college classes from the house. Right. But maybe there'll be a graduation ceremony in June, which I think would be very That would useful. be awesome. Yeah, that would be awesome. And um, so I, I think it's going to be, everyone's like chomping at the bit to go back and resume a normal life. But for us, I'm, I'm conservative. I don't want to take this investment of being on lockdown almost a year only to go catch COVID in the last few months. That, that, that's kind of a waste. Yeah. No, I agree with you. And um, I was frustrated after watching um, the way we kind of tossed the summer away, uh, which led us into the, the the round, the bad rounds in the fall. And of course, winter was ridiculous here in Southern California, right? I mean, we knew what we had to do. We had proven it um, back in the uh, late spring of last year when we got our numbers way down and never should have wound up in a position like we were in through the holidays this year where literally, I mean, down here in, in the South Bay, there were no hospital beds. The hospitals were at a hundred percent, you know, um, my daughter noticed the refrigerated truck parked out behind one of the local hospitals yesterday. So yeah, well, they, it's crazy. they're hiding it. They're trying to hide yeah. it well. And yeah, it is crazy. I, I said, we shouldn't be hiding those things, right? We should have them sitting out in the middle of the street with a sign on it that says what it is so that maybe everybody, every time somebody passes by, they'll get the, the, the order of magnitude of the problem and, and be smart about it. Yeah. I think that that reminder would be helpful. Humans were very forgetful and we're also creatures of denial. So as soon as we see one or two sunny days, we're like, great, it's never going to yeah. rain again. Let's go. Yeah. And um, yeah, the same thing up here. I live in a, you know North of Los Angeles and Santa Clarita. The hospitals were full. Um, stores were running out of supplies again because humans are also hoarders when it comes when we get scared of something. Yeah. And um, we needed to be reminded we're not done yet. Yeah. I can see light at the end of the tunnel, but I urge everybody listening, pay attention to the next few months 
Yep. And uh, don't let your investment in the last year go to waste. Absolutely. So part of your job, because certainly part of my job, was to visit with a lot of different kinds of vendors to look at their technology and talk about ideas and even trade shows and things like that. Have Have you been compensating with those kind of things using video conferencing? Have you given up on talking to the vendors? What's been going on? No, I still do a lot of vendor discussions. Uh, the vendor community, the people who sell technology, are having a hard time of it because sales in general is a very interpersonal uh, skill. But a lot of the vendors are trying to be clever and innovative and find ways to get you to ascend, attend a sales pitch. There's a lot of these uh, social events. I've done more beer tastings and whiskey tastings and some paint by numbers kind of stuff over Zoom uh, as a way to engage with the, the vendors and a couple small customers. Yeah, and I got I, I got invited to a whiskey tasting. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's 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 fun how they they've come up with interesting ways to uh, try to keep people connected. Yeah, so I, I still a big part of my job is to still under uh, explore the technology landscape and talk with the vendors, look at their roadmaps, figure out the best way to solve problems, or, or do something I call uh, look for solutions to problems I don't have yet. Okay. Generally, when a problem comes along, you don't have time to go then start your research. So I like to stay informed about what's happening in the various uh, infrastructure and service areas that could be useful to us at some point. Do a lot of reading, do, do a lot of talking with different vendors and try to stay in touch on a regular cadence. Trade shows have been interesting. The, the ability to go to, I mean, we used to go to Vegas for these big giant trade shows, um, the, NA, the NAB show in the spring and the CES show and the rest of these venues where you could see thousands of different um vendors and meet with other customers and socialize and catch up on people you haven't seen in a while. Yeah. I really miss those events. Yeah. So do I. Uh, I miss the face-to-face. Well, And, and the, the thing I liked about it is you could walk around one of these convention halls, see a vendor booth for somebody you've never heard of, go talk with them for a few minutes where you yeah. might not have ever discovered them looking on the internet or Googling your normal sort of problem set. I just, It's like a big shopping mall. You don't know what you need till you see it. Yeah, no, I discovered a lot of um, hardware vendors that I went and followed afterwards until they matured to a level where we were ready to start playing with them in a real compute environment. So I totally agree with that. Um, Are you guys doing anything? And this is more of a personal question, I guess, because I don't know how many people in the audience will get it, right? But are you guys doing anything with some of the new virtual production kind of stuff to help with your animation, the real time kind of thing? Um we are directly, but if you recall, one of the things we had at DreamWorks is a pretty active motion capture stage where we could yeah. do a lot of the pre-visualization or early storyboarding as a way to use a live action technique to try to converge on what the story could be. Yeah, to create so, reference material to work from, right. Yeah, and it also provided live action directors and filmmakers a workflow that was more natural to them. I mean, traditionally in animation, I tell you, I have this cool idea, you say, great, and you go out for six weeks and you sketch it out. I watch it and say, no, that's not right. But if I have a, a motion capture stage with virtual cameras and a, the ability to change virtual backgrounds, yeah. I can uh, very quickly shoot three or four or 10 different action sequences and pick the one that works best for me. So okay. um, because we can't physically get in on campus and in the stage, we have been exploring, maybe you can use game engine technology. Maybe you can do a more um, sort of a re- remote people, but shared experience kind of AR, VR. Yeah, it, it's early for us. I don't, I don't see AR VR, for example, being a product as more an authoring tool. Yeah, if I, no, if I, I can agree. come up with the way to immerse uh, creative talent into the same you know, virtual space so they can play off each other and 
and iterate quickly, I think that could be very useful. Yeah. I mean, I've had a lot of time on my hands, so I've been spending a lot of time between the visual effects society and just just learning. I went out and uh, got myself an account on um, Epic to download their game engine and, and take their online training to learn all about it. And it's it's remarkable to me to see what filmmaking has become in the last few years between the use of, you know, gigantic LED that LED screens that are basically eliminating green screen processes and, you know, yeah, what, what's interesting, animation. yeah, that's almost a return to the old days when all visual effects were done in yeah. camera. Yeah. It was, it was done on the set with miniatures or forced perspectives or some other thing. Yep. And then we got a little digital happy with green screens and it's, I'm glad to see we figured out a way to go back onto a practical physical set. It's got to be easier for the director and, and the actors to be able to interact. I mean, you've got experience acting. Oh, yeah. Could you imagine if you didn't have your other actors to talk with in a dialogue scene? Yeah. No, I, I, I remember when um, they made the movie um, Sky Captain and the World of Tomorrow. You remember yes, that movie? And that was And that was like one of the first movies that was almost entirely virtual, right? There were no sets. There were – they put a desk on the stage, but everything was covered in green green fabric, um, and so the actors would be interacting with like one piece and then everything else around them was fake. And you felt it when you watched the movie, right? There was no way uh, anybody could relate to anything because there wasn't anything around to do it with. So I'm with you. I love the idea that when you're shooting Kylo Ren uh, on the deck of the Millennium Falcon as it goes into hyperspace, I know I got that all wrong. Um, you can see the light reflection in his eye of what he would see if he were really there and not have to worry about going back and fixing it in post. I think it's fantastic. It's been really cool to watch. Yeah. One of the things that happened since uh, I started doing visual effects and now animation movies is I watch any film or TV show with a critical eye. Yeah. And anytime you see a mistake, like the actors looking slightly to the left of camera or looking not exactly at the person they're allegedly talking to, it, it takes you right out of the moment. Yeah. And it, yeah. You, you just forget that maybe it's a good story or maybe it's well acted. It's just not well produced. And the, the production values matter there. So yeah. I, I, I applaud the return to getting people physically in the same space. It makes improv and the emotional response and the relationship of you know, actors talking to each other so much more engaging. Yeah. Yeah. Very true. All right, my friend, is there anything I can plug for you as we talk about this? Uh, well, yeah, you can plug DreamWorks' most recent release. The Crudes, A New Age, is on premium on demand and in some theaters where you're allowed to go outside. Go watch it. Go watch it twice if you'd like. <laughs> I do have kids heading into college, so yeah, help, more tickets help. the better. What are you looking forward to the most when the world comes back to something normal? We, we touched on it. I'm looking forward to going outside uh, and sitting at a table with a friend and a cup of coffee and just shooting the shit. Cool. I mean, this kind, this kind of conversation, fortunately, I've met you and I know what you look like and we've talked before, so I can do this kind of conversation and imagine we're in the same room. But I can't wait to really do that in person. Yes, I'm totally with you. And I hope that when the time comes, you and I get to do that as well. Yeah, it's, it's a date for sure. A cigar and some whiskey and we'll be there. Sounds good, my friend. Sounds good. Scotty, thanks for taking the time out to talk to me today. Oh, you're very welcome. Thanks for having me. It's been a, it's been a lot of fun to reminisce. Thank you.